Okay, good morning everybody. How was everyone's week? Good, I hope. Let me find a place for this guy here. Okay, so let's... Good that we made it through the week. Ah, I know, huh? Okay, let's have a word of prayer, shall we? And get, we'll get started. Oh, they haven't even broken to come out yet. Yeah, we'll pray real quick, and then we'll we'll pause it. So this is going to be a fun recording. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for allowing us to gather today, Lord, and that we get to study your word. Um, and as we go over these difficult subjects, I just want to ask that you would give us um, enlightenment that and be seasoned with grace, as always, that when we have these conversations with folks, that we don't just want to be right, Lord, that we want to make sure that we are a light to you and that we're presenting the gospel. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, so I guess we're going to... Okay, we're back. Sorry about this disjointed recording this week for folks listening online, but eventually we will have a, a room to our own, and it will be quiet prayerfully. So what are we talking about this week? Um, I noticed I had been remiss. I've mentioned it in passing about talking about something called relativism because I've been wondering as we're going through all these different topics, how did we get here? We, meaning, how did we get to a society that is where it is? What happened? I mean, when we're having conversations on which bathroom to use because you're confused, I just wonder what went wrong in our societal teaching at this point. So that's what relativism is. It's this idea that truth is only subjective to each individual person's. And if, before you're wondering, you're like, when am I ever going to have this conversation? Trust me, it comes up a lot more than you think it does. As a matter of fact, this was a Facebook posting by one of our family members. I'm going to read it. And she is a Christian, by the way. And she said this on her Facebook. There is no such thing as the truth, just one's pers perspectives and perceptions. A Christian family member had posted that. I didn't respond on Facebook because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, if you notice those people that argue on Facebook, it's just absolutely silly. But what is relativism? Well, relativism is the philosophical position that all points of view are equally valid and that all truth is relative to the individual. This means that all moral positions, all religious systems, all art forms, political movements, everything, truth is relative to the individual. Under the umbrella of relativism, whole groups of perspectives are categorized. So there's about three different types of them. Cognitive relativism, which means truth, it affirms that all truth is relative. That would mean that no system of truth is more valid than another one, and there is no objective standard of truth. It would naturally deny that there is a God of absolute truth. Uh, moral and ethical relativism. This is what we see in today's culture a lot. All morals are relative to the social group within which they are constructed, right? And situational relativism. Ethics, meaning right or wrong, are dependent upon the situation which you're thrust in. Are you guys beginning to see the problem with this school of thought yet? So unfortunately, the philosophy of relativism is absolutely pervasive in our culture uh, today. With the rejection of God and Christianity in particular, absolute truth is just being abandoned, being thrown by the wayside. 
Our pluralistic society wants to avoid the idea that there really is a right and a wrong. This is evidenced by our deteriorating judicial system, which has more and more trouble punishing criminals, or keeping them locked up for that fact, and our entertainment media, which continues to push the envelope of immorality and indecency, and our schools, which teach evolution and, quote, social tolerance. In addition, the plague of moral relativism is encouraging everyone to accept homosexuality, pornography, fornication, and a host of other sins that were once considered wrong but are now being accepted and even promoted in society, uh, specifically to our young people. It's becoming so pervasive that if you speak out against moral relativism and it's anything goes philosophy, you're labeled as what? An intolerant bigot. That's hate speech, right, in today's culture. Of course, this is incredibly hypocritical of those who profess that all points of view are true, yet reject those who profess absolutes and morality. It seems that what's really meant by the moral relativist is that all points of view are true except for the views that teach moral absolutes. An absolute God or an absolute right and wrong. Is your battery dying? I don't believe so. Why? It keeps pausing. Oh, does it? Oh, no, no, it's, the battery seems to be fine. So some typical expressions that reveal an underlying presupposition of relativism are comments such as, and we've heard these, this, that is your truth, not mine, right? It's true for you, not for me. And that there are no absolute truths. We'll get into that obvious contradiction later. Of course, all of these statements are completely illogical. Relativism, it's, it's invading our society completely. Our economy, our schools, our homes. Society cannot flourish in an environment where everyone does what is right in their own eyes. There's another name for that type of environment. It's called anarchy or chaos. And it doesn't work. Where the situation determines moral truth and that lying and cheating are okay as long as you don't get caught... Without a common foundation of truth and absolutes, our culture will become weak and fragmented. Period. We're going to fail. So I must admit, however, in all fairness, that there is validity to some aspects of relativism. Let me explain before you think, oh no, Sean's lost it. Okay. For example, what one society considers right, for example, in Ireland, driving on what? The, right si- the left side of the road versus the right, okay? another considers wrong. These are customs to which right and wrong are attached, but they're purely relativistic and not universal because they are culturally based. And child-rearing principles vary in different societies, as do burial practices, wedding ceremonies. So these right and wrong ways are not cosmically set in stone, and they're not uh, derived from some absolute sort of rule of conduct by some unknown god. They are relative, and rightly so. It's just a cultural uh, norm for those folks and us. But their relativism is properly asserted as such. They don't say that these are moral truths that must, must be obeyed or disobeyed. This is, they say that this is just the way that we do things, and there's no um, wrongness in that. It doesn't matter what side of the road we're driving on, as long as that we all do it the same way, right? <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to have the massive head-on collisions. Likewise, there are experiences that are valid only for certain individuals. Um, I, or my bride, might be irritated by a certain sound. (laughs) She can't stand the sound of people chewing. (laughs) It drives her crazy. 
<laughs> where another person might not mind the sound of somebody chewing loudly in their ear. <laughs> With their mouth open. <laughs> With their mouth open. <laughs> in this sense, what is true for me or my bride is not necessarily true for someone else, right? Not everyone's annoyed by that sound. It's not an absolute truth that the identical sound causes irritation to all people at all times in all places. This is one way of showing that certain aspects of relativism are true. But is it valid to say that because there is a type of personal relativism, and then here's where it gets disjointed and they lose, lose the point. Is it true or valid to say that because there's a certain type of personal relativism that we can then apply that principle to all areas of experience and knowledge and say that they too are also relative? Do you see what I'm saying? If you say that one certain thing, like the sound of somebody chewing or the sound of a paper crinkling might annoy you and not annoy another person, and you admit that that is a relativistic view and it's, it's true, right? It, it doesn't apply to each people. But then to make the, the cosmic leap and say that because that statement is true, now we have to say that there is no absolute truth or absolute morality anywhere because that one little fragment of personal preference is true. Do you see how they make that leap? And it's, it's a logical fallacy. It doesn't work. It's not a valid assumption. First of all, to do so would what? It would be an absolute assessment, which contradicts relativism. That's the whole point. There are no absolutes, right? If all things are relative, then there cannot be anything that is absolutely true between individuals. In other words... If all people deny absolute truth and establish relative truth only from their experiences, then everything is relative to that individual. How then can there be a common ground from which to judge right and wrong? It's seen that there cannot. Um, now, I don't know if sis will, but both my kids are probably going to be listening to this recording. And if they were here today, they would uh, tell you how I taught them that relativism wasn't true. I didn't actually do this, so before you call CPS, but I would tell them, whenever anyone says that there is no absolute truth, you just punch them in the face. Why? Why do you just punch them in the face? What's their first response going to be? Right, you can't do that. Why not? It's true for me at the time. That was my truth to punch you in the face. By you saying you can't do that, you just applied to what? An absolute truth. When you just said that there are no absolute truths. So the issue that's important here is whether or not there are absolute truths. Also, can there be different kinds of absolute truths if indeed there are absolute truths? We might ask if it's always wrong to lie. Or does one plus one always equal two? Is it always true that something cannot be both in existence and not in existence at the same time? Is it always true that something cannot bring itself into existence if it first does not exist? If any of these questions can be answered in the affirmative, then relativism is completely refuted, at least to some degree. Okay. I know this gets philosophical, but is everyone still with me so far? Yeah. Okay. So let's go to the most obvious portion of relativism. Morality and punishment thereof. So more questions arise. If all moral views are equally valid, then do we have the right to punish anyone? Is it going to end? You cut in and out of here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's here, grab the pack off real quick. Okay. 
maybe we're going to change batteries. No, it's not batteries. Oh, what is it? Probably cord. Oh. No, I'm not hearing anything. I didn't break it. That's okay. <laughs> Let me check this real quick. Okay. Sometimes they get, I mean, sometimes they get, um, Put another quarter in. Put another quarter in. <laughs> I'm going to check the connection real, okay. real fast and we'll get back going. Okay. Did that break it? No, just reseating it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Let's try it. Okay. Well, seems to be working for now-ish. Okay, so more is questions. <laughs> is that relative? I know. More questions arise. If all moral views are equally valid, then do we have the right to punish anyone? Right? Can we ever say that anything is wrong? In order to say that something is wrong, we must first have a standard by which we weigh right and wrong in order to make a judgment. Period. If the standard of right and wrong is based on relativism or this constant moving target, and it's not a standard at all, it's just a preference. In relativism, standards of right and wrong are derived from social norms. Since society obviously changes, look where we're at today versus where we were at 30, 40 years ago, the norms would change and also so would right and wrong. If right and wrong change, then how can anyone be rightly judged for something he did wrong if that wrong might become right in the future? Does that make sense? Yes. So the comment was, aren't they doing that now? Taking things that were judged wrong before and now encouraging it or letting it off. Yes, they are. It's happening right now. It was passed by Seattle legislature or city council, here's where it is. Is stealing from a business owner wrong, or you, did it used to be? Yes. If you owned a business and someone came in and stole your property, that prevents you from making a living from selling that product, right? Seattle has now passed into legislature, into law, that anyone can come in and steal from any small business because, quote, they might need that item to sell to live or to buy their drugs. So the business owner, has no recourse at this point. He cannot prosecute. He cannot call the cops. He cannot even deny the person to come into his shop and steal what they think they need in order to live. They can only steal up to $1,000. Then there's cut off. That's per day. Exactly. Thank you. Yes, $1,000 per day is what they're able to steal. So do the math. On most months, that's a $30,000 month. What? <laughs> you know, that's... That's really significant yeah, per person. Per person. Yeah, yeah. Finally, is it fair to apply logical analysis to relativistic principles? Well, you guys know what my answer is going to be, right? But many relativists say no. But I don't see why not. Why can't you apply logic to relativistic principles? If a relativist were to convince me that logic isn't necessary for examining their view, then he'd have to convince me using logic because it's just not going to work in my brain, which would be self-defeating, right? If a relativist uses relativism, the subject view of his own opinions to validate his position, he's doing what? Circular reasoning. Namely, he's using relativism to establish relativism. You guys remember when we were in grade school and we'd write a paper and the teacher would tell us you can't define 
the word that you're using by using the word, right? That's exactly what's happening here. So either way, he has lost the argument. But with relativism, if he lost the argument, who cares, right? Because it's all relative. <laughs> you guys seeing how this is just makes you want to beat your face against the, the table. It's, it's maddeningly frustrating. If relativism is true and all points of view are true, now here's the one that's really going to bake your noodle. Let me, let, me, let me say this. If relativism is true and all points of view are true, then is my view that relativism is false also true? <laughs> it should be, right? So how does the relativist respond to that one? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of... Well, it's happening. It's happening today. We don't... You have freedom of speech until you say something they don't like. Yeah. Correct. Yep, exactly. Then you're canceled. So relativism is that position that all points of view are valid as any other point of view and that the individual is the measure of what is true for that person. Okay, so let me kind of break this one down and where this one starts to get annoying. So if somebody were to disagree with my opinion on a certain topic, cool, okay, you disagree with me. That doesn't mean anything to me. To the relativist, it does because now their opinion is linked to who they are as a person. It's their actual identity. So now if you disagree with a topic or a view of theirs, you are somehow denying their very existence or their right to live. And you're a racist. And you're a racist for doing it. And this is where it just becomes absolutely maddening to try and have these conversations. See, I, I have to leave soon, but I do want to... How does a Christian say there are no absolute truths? I mean, there's a biblical standard that must be upheld. But we see so much in the church nowadays, yeah. this relativism. It's not just creeping in, it's here. Right, so the comment was, for those listening online, how does a Christian say that there are no absolute truths. How can you be a follower of Christ and make that claim? You can't, simple answer, you can't. Um, you have not read the scriptures or you grossly misunderstand them because it is packed full. What is one of Christ's most famous sayings? I am what? The truth, the way, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. I mean, that is the most absolute statement you can ever imagine. And to have a Christian claim that there's no absolute truth, it doesn't work. It's, it's completely self-defeating. So, okay, you guys know me. I like to tell stories, and I think it gets the, the point across. So here's an illustration of story to demonstrate that uh, relativism itself as a philosophical position, it just won't work. Okay, here's the setting. So I want you guys to picture this. A thief is casing a jewelry store so he can rob it. Uh, he's entered in to check out any visible alarm settings, uh, locks, layout, etc. In the process, he unexpectedly gets involved in a discussion with the owner of that jewelry store, whose hobby is the study of philosophy, and believes that truth and morals are relative. Now, the owner, right? The owner believes truth and morals are relative. You guys get wherever this story is going to go pretty quickly. So, says the owner, everything is relative. That's why I believe that all morals are not absolute and that right and wrong is up to the individual to determine within the confines of society. But there is no absolute right and wrong. Well, that's a very interesting perspective, says the thief. I was brought up believing that there was a God 
and that there was right and wrong. But I abandoned all of that, and I would agree with you that there's no absolute right and wrong, and that we're free to do what we want. The thief leaves the store, returns that evening, and then breaks in. He has disabled all the alarms and locks and is in the process of robbing the store. That's when the owner of the store enters through the side door. The thief pulls out a gun. The owner can't see the man's face because he's wearing a ski mask. Don't shoot me, says the owner. Please take whatever you want and leave me alone. That's exactly what I plan to do, says the thief. Wait a minute. I know you. You're the man who was in the store earlier today. I recognize your voice. Well, that's unfortunate for you, says the thief, because now you also know what I look like, and since I do not want to go to jail, I'm now forced to kill you. You can't do that, says the owner. Why not, says the thief. Because it's not right, pleads the desperate man. But didn't you tell me today that there's no right and wrong? Yes, but I have a family, children that need me, and a wife. So? I'm sure that you're insured and that they get a lot of money, but since there's no right and wrong, it makes no difference whether or not I kill you. And if I let you live, you will turn me in, and I will go to prison. Sorry, but that just simply won't do. As you can see, I don't recognize society's claim to impose morals on me. It's all relative, remember? Please don't shoot me. I beg you. I promise not to tell anyone what you look like. I swear it. I don't believe you. I can't take that chance. But it is true. Swear I'll tell no one. Sorry. But it can't be true because there is no absolute truth. No right, no wrong, no error. Remember, if I let you live and then I leave, you will break your so-called promise because your morals and promises are relative. There's no way I can trust you. Our conversation this morning convinced me of that. But it's wrong to kill me. That just isn't right. It is neither right nor wrong for me to kill you. You see, since truth is relative to the individual, if I kill you, that is my truth. And it is obviously true that if I let you live, I will go to prison. Sorry, but you've already killed yourself. No, no, please don't shoot me. I beg you. Begging makes no difference. Bang. This is what a relativistic society would get us. This is where that logic or so-called lack of logic leads to. Do you guys see any chance of any order? No, there isn't. If relativism is true, then was it wrong for the thief to pull the trigger? Perhaps someone might say that it's wrong to take another life needlessly, but then why is it wrong if there's no absolute moral standards? Others have said that it's a crime against society. So what? If what is true for you is simply true, then what is wrong with killing someone to protect yourself after you've robbed him? If it's true for you that you protect yourself and you must kill someone, then who cares what society says at that point? As long as you don't get caught, why is anyone morally obligated to conform to any type of societal or social norms? It just doesn't make any sense. Though not all relativists will behave in an unethical manner. So hear me clearly, okay? And especially for those listening online, I am not saying simply because someone holds to relativistic ideals that they are automatically immoral Adolf Hitler little runarounds, okay? I see relativism, however, as a contributor to overall anarchy. Why? Because it's a justification to do absolutely whatever you want. So it's the philosophical position that all points of view are equally valid and that all truth is relative to that individual. 
If we look further, we see that this proposition is simply not logical. In fact, it's absolutely self-refuting. Okay, so here's where we kind of get into the, like my wife says, we sometimes maybe go too deep, but stop me if you guys are starting to, to glaze over and you say, okay, Sean, that, that's enough of the philosophy nonsense. So the first claim, all truth is relative. We've heard that in one fashion or another. If all truth is relative, then the statement, all truth is relative, would be an absolutely true statement, right? Because they use the word all. If it is absolutely true, then not all things are relative, and the statement that all truth is relative is false. Do you guys get that, how it just completely contradicts itself? You can't make such a statement like that. Here's my favorite, there are no absolute truths. Okay, <laughs> the statement that there are no absolute truths is an absolute statement which is supposed to be true. Therefore, it's an absolute truth, and there are no absolute truths, it's false. If there are no absolute truths, then you can't believe anything absolutely at all, including that there are no absolute truths. Therefore, nothing could be really true for you, including your relativistic ideals. What's true for you is not true for me. How many times have we heard that one? All the time. If what is true for me is that relativism is false, then is it true that relativism is false? If you say no, then what is true for me isn't true and relativism is false. And if you say yes, well, then relativism is false. <laughs> I mean, are you, are you guys catching this? If you say that it is true only for me that relativism is false, then I am believing something other than relativism. Namely, that relativism is false, and if that is true, then how can relativism itself be true? I'm believing a premise that's true or false, or neither. If it's true for me that relativism is false, then relativism within me holds the position that relativism is false, and it's self-refuting and self-contradictory. I know Bonnie's over there laughing because it, it does. It just, it just completely spins totally out of control. And to have this idea that we got here, and some of our most learned people, our, our professors, our politicians are embracing this idea is absolutely insane. And like my, my wife said earlier, that this is even encroaching in the church is just crazy to think that we can have any type of society with something like this at its backbone. You know, and, and this is supposed to be the progressive way of thinking today. If I believe that relativism is false, and if it is only true for me that it's false, then you must admit that it is absolutely true that I am believing that relativism is false. If you admit that it's absolutely true that I'm believing that it's false, then relativism is just defeated, since you admit that there is something absolutely true. If I'm believing in something other than relativism that's true, then there's something other than relativism that is true, even if it's only for me. See, where does this lead? Well, to the completely illogical that no one can know anything for sure. Can you imagine that type of a life? You can't know anything for sure. Everything is up for question. Does this sound like some of the cults that we've studied, right? 
If that's true, then we can know that we cannot know anything for sure. Well, which is self-defeating, because then we actually know something. Oh, that's your reality, not mine. Okay, so is my reality really real? If my reality is different than yours, how can my reality contradict your reality? Doesn't that then become fantasy? If yours and mine are equally real, how can two opposite realities that exclude each other exist at the same time? This is just nonsense. This is like, you know, my kids, when, when they were little ones, may, playing make-believe games and then arguing with each other that, you know, the floor is lava. No, it's not. It's green cheese. Whatever. You know, I mean, it's just, it just becomes absolute nonsense. The other one, we all perceive what we want. How do you know that statement is true? If we perceive what we want, then what are you wanting to perceive? And that leads to some pretty horrific ideals. If you say that you want to perceive truth, how do you know if you're not just simply deceived or being lied to? Simply desiring truth isn't proof that you have it. You can't use logic to refute relativism. I've actually had this conversation before. Why not? Can you give me a logical reason why logic cannot be used? <laughs> if you use relativism to refute logic, then on what basis is relativism, that nothing is absolutely true, able to refute logic, which is based upon truth? If you use relativism to refute logic, then relativism has lost its relative status since it is used to absolutely refute the truth of something else. I've heard this other one. We're only perceiving different aspects of the same reality. You guys have heard this just stated in a different way. We're all climbing up the same mountain to get to the same place, right? Does that analogy sound familiar? So if our perceptions are contradictory, can either perception be trusted? Can it? How can you know? Because without an absolute, it's just one person saying and then the other person saying something else. Is truth self-contradictory? Is that the nature of truth? If it were, then it wouldn't be true because it'd be self-refuting. If something is self-refuting, then it's not true. If it is true that we're perceiving different aspects of the same reality, then am I believing something that's false because I believe that your particular reality isn't true? How then can they possibly be the same reality? If you're saying that it's merely my perception that's not true, then relativism is refuted. Now let's get into scripture. John 18, 38. Pilate asked, what is truth? You guys remember that? The question is one of the best questions asked in the entire Bible. And an unbeliever asked it, what is truth? Pilate wasn't a Christian, obviously. The answer is important since various religions, secular movements, ideologies, etc., claim to ultimately base their presuppositions on the answer to that question. Of course, in biblical Christianity, we hold to the truth that Jesus is God in the flesh. John 1, 1, John 14, Colossians 2, 9. That he died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. And that on the cross, he bore our sins in his body. 1 Peter 2, 24. So then, what is truth? Truth is whatever conforms to the mind of God. Since God knows all things, 
then truth is whatever conforms to his mind. He reveals what he knows in Scripture, and then we, too, can know what truth is. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, John 1, 1 and 14, always speaks the truth. And like I quoted before, he said something very interesting in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That means that he is the absolute truth. So truth is not a changeable reality. It doesn't, it doesn't just fit the um, directive of whatever you want to make it be at the time. But truth to others can consist of believing that there is no God, to believe that God came from another planet, like Mormonism, to God being an eternal divine essence emanating in the universe, New Age theology, or to whatever other position that the human mind can conjure up. The problem is that they cannot all be true since truth doesn't contradict itself. Someone has got to be wrong, period, right? Let me put it another way. Somebody is lying to us. God, <clears throat> excuse me, God cannot be a man from another planet and not a man from another planet, right? We cannot have God exist and not exist. Someone is wrong. So what is truth? I like to say that truth is what corresponds to reality. Well, then we get into that. Your reality is different from mine. How are we perceiving? Okay, you guys see the problem with this. Look at this way. Reality exists. It absolutely does. Okay, I don't even want to get into that idea. Reality is not an illusion. If it were, the statement reality is an illusion would be itself an illusion and not true. So truth is that which conforms to reality. Truth is not self-contradictory, and truth absolutely does exist. Since truth exists and is not self-contradictory, it's absolute. Is it a reality that Jesus is God? I believe it is. That he rose from the dead, that he walked on water? All answer in the affirmative, yes. Of course, some are going to disagree with these statements with me. To do so, they have to say that they are not real, they're not true, but... That's a different subject for a different time. Now, here's the interesting thing about Scripture. You guys have ever had these conversations. Do you know the Bible does not defend itself as being true? It just assumes it. There's not once any defensive verse in Scripture about the truth of itself. It simply assumes that it is, that we should all just know it. It assumes that it's the revelation of God who is the true and creator of reality. It's self-attesting. It carries prophecies, fulfillment, history, according to eyewitnesses. The fact is that truth corresponds to reality in Scripture. Disciples preached it. They taught based upon the resurrection. Their truth definitely reflected the reality of Christ conquering death. So like Pilate asked, what is truth? It's a straightforward question. Of course, answering it isn't so simple. We can offer definitions like truth is that which conforms to reality. But this basic definition does not, is not complete because its definition is open to interpretation in a wide variety of applications, and that's where the problem lies uh, with the relativist. What's reality? What is a fact? What's actuality? How does perception affect truth? We can offer answers for each of these, but then we're going to ask similar questions to those answers. So, 
I'm reminded of a paradox. Do you guys know what I mean when I say paradox? It's something that's both true and untrue at the same time. It's just logically craziness. Okay, of throwing a ball against a wall. Some of you that have heard this before. It must get halfway there and then half of the remaining distance and then half of that distance and so on. But an infinite number of halves in this scenario would what? It would never constitute a whole, right? Can, can you guys kind of picture that in your minds, how that works? So I say, if I throw a ball at a wall, it gets halfway there, and then half of that distance, and then half of that distance, right? Add infinitum in infinity, it will never there. It will never get there. It's, it's not an entire whole. Therefore, it would seem that the ball would never reach the wall if we applied that conceptual truth of halves. So the ball against the wall scenario illustrates that defining and redefining things as we try to approach a goal actually prevents us from getting to that goal. That's why philosophy does sometimes as it seeks to examine truth. It sometimes clouds issues so much that nothing can be known for sure. And that's what's happening in our society today. We're just clouding everything by questioning everything and not having absolute morals or absolute truths. But even though it is true that an infinite number of halves uh, does not equal a whole, we can prove that it does by simply throwing a ball and watching it bounce off. So let that resonate around. So philosophy, if we're having these conversations with the learned, is it a true statement that an infinite number of halves does not equal a whole? Yeah, that's correct. However, I can throw a ball at the wall and you, you, with your own eyes, can watch it bounce off the wall. It actually hit the wall. But according to the truth, I'm using air quotes now for those listening online, according to the truth that an infinite number of halves can't equal a whole, but you just saw with your own eyes that ball bounce off the wall. So which one's true? Which one are you going to believe? Which one are you going to accept as fact? See, the problem's not in the truth, but it's in its application, as is often the case with philosophical and verbal gymnastics that we're seeing. See to it, and this is in Colossians 2.8, that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of this world, rather than according to Christ. So in order for the concept of truth to be defined properly, it would have to be factually and logically correct statement. In other words, it'd have to be true. But perhaps we can look further at what is truth by determining what isn't truth. Truth is not error, and it's not self-contradictory. I've said that multiple times this morning. It's not a deception. In relativism, all points of view are equally valid, and that becomes self-refuting. And all truth is relative to the individual. In this idea, it would seem that the only truth relativism has to offer is nothing. But the problem, in reality, is that relativism isn't true for the following basic reason. All this yammering, all this philosophical talk I've given you for almost an hour now, it boils down to this. If what is true for me is that relativism is false, and it is, I mean, that's true for me, is what I'm saying, then is it true that relativism is false? Like I said, if you say no, then what is true for me obviously isn't true, and relativism is false. You just lied. If you say yes, then relativism is false, period. 
Relativism seems to defy the very nature of truth, namely, that truth is not self-contradictory. So let me rephrase this, because we're always asking, how do we end up using this stuff that we learn? So whenever someone comes to you and says that there is no absolute truth, or that's only true for you, then you ask them a very simple question. It only has a yes or no answer. For me, relativism is false. Is it true that I believe relativism is false? They can only answer one or two ways, yes or no. And like I said, if they answer no, then you're saying that uh, absolute truth only exists per individual, then my truth is wrong and relativism is false. If you say yes, then you just admitted relativism is false. Does that make sense? So how do you think those conversations are going to be received when someone asks us or we ask that question, when they tell us that, oh, that's your truth or there's no absolute truth and you ask them that question, do you think they're going to be like, Golly gee, you are, you are absolutely right. I'm going to change my thought process right now. Or do you think they're going to become defensive and angry and start calling you names like a racist or whatever? Yeah, it's going to be the latter. But I've said it a couple of times here. We have to remember when we're having those conversations, the, the reaction that we're going to get out of these folks, it's not them, right? It's the one standing behind them that's driving it. You have to remember that these conversations are demonic in nature, that they are being influenced. Whatever is controlling them absolutely hates the Christ that is living in us. So when you get those responses, those angry defenses, those name callings, try not to do the same. I know it's hard. (laughs) It's very difficult. But try to remember what's actually going on there. So if there is such a thing, if you do have that rare case where someone is open to have a a conversation after you point out that their idea just completely broke down by asking them that question, if there is such a thing as truth, then we should be able to find it, right? Hopefully, in your conversation, you're going to get this person to recognize or at least admit that. If truth can't be known, then it probably doesn't exist. But if it does exist then I think it's our duty to try and find it. It's a pretty important topic, don't you think? If there is such a thing as something that is always true all the time, yeah, there is. Simple basic tenets of Christian faith. For example, something cannot bring itself into existence. This computer did not make itself. It had to have a designer, right, and a manufacturer. That is an absolutely true statement, and it's absolutely true all of the time. In order for something to bring itself into existence, it would have to exist in order to perform an action. That doesn't work. So the preceding example is a truth found in logic. But some truths aren't logical by nature. It is true that I love my my wife, obviously. But this isn't logically provable, and formulas and theorems and paradigms, you can't prove it outside of that, but nonetheless, it is true. Going back to that ball analogy, okay? It is a truth that an infinite number of halves can't produce a whole, but it's also true that when you throw that bloody ball against the wall, you're going to watch it bounce off. One of them has got to be true. The other one has got to not be true. 
So is this what relativism does? Does it conform to reality and logic? Vaguely, to some degree, but mostly no, because it, it's just blatantly ignoring the laws of logic. If there's no absolute right or wrong, then the chaos that ensues, I can't even imagine what that world would look like. Well, I get, actually I can, we're studying Revelation chapter 17 today in home group. Yeah, I can, I can kind of imagine what it looks like. And it's not pretty. So let's go back to Christ and what he said, since he's the ultimate expression of truth. When he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, so of course most philosophers and skeptics are going to dismiss his claim, but he's the mainstay of hope, security, and guidance for us, the Christian. Jesus, the one whom walked on water, claimed to be divine, rose from the dead, and said he was the truth and the originator of truth. If Jesus is wrong, then we should absolutely ignore him. But if he's right, then it is true that we should listen to him, period. So I know it was a lot today, a lot of philosophy, um, but it had kind of been eating uh, at me to, to address how did we get here? Because I'm sure you guys are looking around the world and you're like, this is absolutely insane. I can't understand how we're questioning the things that we're questioning. Like, how is that even an issue? That is weird to me. Sean, this has been going on for quite a while. I have a nephew who is now like 43. And when he was 18, he was saying the same statements to me. And he's now a believer. Praise God. Oh, praise God. Okay. He's a believer. But he was doing drugs and he was high or, or stoned. You know, basically, uh -huh. drinking or doing drugs. Right. Back then, wanted nothing to do with Jesus back when he was 18. And. He said, well, your truth is fine for you, but my truth is not the same truth that back then. So mm -hmm. it's been, this has been happening and developing and, you know, existing in our country for a lot of years. This whole development of what's good for you is okay for you, but it's not mine. Uh, it's been coming and happening here in yeah. our country for a while. It has. And it's messed up a lot of lives. He now knows Jesus. He is so on fire for the Lord, and the Lord is the one that changes these hearts. So we, we have our hope in Him. We do. He's the one that makes that change. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's where we just have to keep remembering. It's a messed up world, but we know that He will change the hearts of men. Yep. When we took God out of the community and let the new age in, Downhill from that. That is correct. You know, the comment was when we took God out of, you know, our, our community, our society, kicked him out, that's when everything started going rapidly in, in a downfall. Why is that? Well, it's because you don't have that absolute standard anymore. You just have everyone's perceptions and everyone's feelings, and that doesn't matter. That honestly doesn't matter. Now, if you guys remember, it, like I said, in Margaret's example with her nephew, when he said, how do, how do you phrase it, Margaret? Well, that's your truth. That's your truth. My truth is something different. Then you just ask the simple question. Well, then is it true that my belief is true that your truth is false? Is that a true statement? If he, he can answer only one of two ways, yes or no, right? And it completely self-defeats. Prayerfully, someone is of a sound enough mind where they can see, well, golly, that's a really silly way of thinking. That doesn't make any sense. Because I just said... An, 
an untrue statement that can be defeated by any way that I answer it. Granted, it's a little unfair to ask that question the way you do because it's kind of those questions like, do you still beat your wife? Right? <laughs> you know, I understand that. However, it gets the point across. It absolutely does. And I wanted to give us these tools to respond to these statements that we hear today instead of just saying, I don't even know what to do with you. There are logical responses, but how it's you know, received is something different altogether. And all of us have gone through that with our respective family members. Absolutely. That you know, our truth is bigoted or whatever. It's, it's not the case. Any other questions or comments before we close here? We're running out of time quickly. Yes. Because everything else, like whether that chair will hold me up or not, is an absolute. Mm -hmm. How your truck runs, the parts to make it run, those right. are all absolute. Right. These people are only concerned to make their moral behavior excessive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or admissible. Right. And that's, that's where Satan comes in. He's deceiving their minds to convince them uh, that, no, you don't have to listen to what Yes. There are no absolutes. You think it's right, then it's right. Then do it. So, uh, so I can prove you wrong instantly. You think that chair can hold you? I'm saying it won't hold you, and you'll prove me wrong as soon as you say Right. It is. So I wanted to also ask, I know there's a lot... I mean, there's a ton of different apologetic topics. The, the things I was thinking of going on is just the, the common things that we're seeing today, you know, LGBTQ, all, all that stuff as I was going to start addressing. But are there any specifics that the class would like to start diving into that you guys have been just been, you know, it's been picking at your mind that you want to learn about? No specifics? Okay. Well, if there is, feel free to, to text or call uh, or send me an email either way, and we'll dive into those as well. Well, well I have one. Yeah. I don't know if everybody in here knows what this is, because I did not, but non-binary. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, my niece claims she is that now, and it's like, I thought, what in the world is non-binary? There's so many terms out there that these kids have now claimed and are, are saying they are, and right. it's like, not that we have to know it, but I think it's this crazy stuff they've decided they have created to be. It, uh, no, it sounds like it's a calculus or a mathematical term. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so the, the comment was, you know, those that are claiming non-binary, on its surface, what does that statement mean? It means not one of two defined genders, male or female. It's somewhere fluid, something in between that. And it boils down to what we just talked about today of relativism and what is truth. And, I mean, if you break it further, if that child or whoever is claiming that, that they're non-binary, walked into, I don't know, Shahalis PD wearing a Batman costume and said, I am Batman. And they were acting like Batman. What's going to happen to that person? They're on a 5150, right? I mean, they're going to be incarcerated because something is wrong. 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But my, but my point is, if you have someone claiming to be something that's obviously not, oh, I gave the example a couple weeks ago, that, that episode of CSI that we were watching, those people that thought or, or wanted so badly to be amputees, they would you know, tie up their leg or tie their arm or whatever and pretend to be an amputee, and they even admitted that there's something mentally deficient with this individual. Like, that's not reality. You, you have your arm. You, you realize that, right? You're not an amputee. You know, you, you didn't uh, go through an IED in Afghanistan or Iraq. So that being said, if you can admit or even show someone like that that this is not reality, there is something mentally deficient. It's the same thing. And yeah, we'll go over that, Margaret, the, as far as the, just the absolute mental deficiency of someone to be claiming something that they're not. I mean, golly, how many of us would like to claim ourselves as tax-exempt status? <laughs> I don't want to pay taxes anymore. Mary, my friend, works for Washington State B&O. My favorite taxes to pay <laughs> as a business owner. <laughs> but is that going to work if me just claiming I'm tax-exempt? Tax Right. <laughs> Mary's like, nope, we're going to find the snot out of you. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like a good topic. We'll definitely be going over that. Taking that and relating it to what Jesus says of us, you know, who are we? I mean, who are we in Christ, but who does God say we are? These, these poor people, these I know. poor kids that are so confused. Right. And the society is telling them... You're racist if you tell them they can't be what they're saying they I know. are. I, I, I'm so saddened by our society. I know. And, and throughout all this, I'm trying to provide some sense of the madness. But yes, I'm, I'm with you the same way, Margaret. I, I believe it is madness. I mean, I hear these statements and I'm just like, I can't believe that I'm actually hearing this right now. I mean, this is of the same level as, you know, someone claiming that they're a cornflake. Don't touch me, I'm a cornflake. You know, I, I would ask, what hallucinogenic did you take? <laughs> right? But it, it's the same, it's completely the same idea. It absolutely is, and there's a severe mental deficiency. I mean, we'll try and go into it as much as we can, but it all boils down to, like, what you said, Margaret. They don't have an identity, a rock-solid identity founded in God. We are created in God's image. And we've been telling our children this for years, since 1963, honestly, that you are just the byproduct of a cosmic burp that happened four and a half billion years ago. You are nothing more than an accident of rain coming down on rocks and forming a primordial ooze, and you crawled out of it. And we're, we're surprised why that our children are acting like this, that they're acting like absolute animals. Why would this shock us? We've encouraged it. We've taught it. That, that there's no, you're not a special creative act from God at all. But with that, let's go ahead and close in prayer, and then uh, we'll continue next week, okay? Father, Lord, we, we come to you and just ask that you would give us wisdom, because, Lord, this world is, it is, it just seems crazy to us. Um, but we know that we still have a job to do. We know that you commanded us to go out and to preach your gospel. Please give us tools and give us ways to do that, Lord, and let us not... Uh, forsake that because it's going to be difficult or awkward and let us remember that that is our ultimate goal not to win arguments but to preach your gospel in Christ's name I pray amen